You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well met, fellow adventurers. Back to Proving Ground 6 to do the Beast of Shrine Island. At the conclusion of the previous part, Zoop, you turn to find Uriel washing up from the south, the tip of her staff still smoking. She reaches your side and points to the north, where I was just now limping into view. Two of you rush over to steady the Master Thief, appears ready to topple over at any moment. But he dismisses your help and tells you that the Cesars who followed him suddenly disappeared in the same manner as Tarifia. He ignores Uriel for a moment and turns to face you. How do you like the masked sorceress? He asks. Wooden mask covering all but her eyes. Mind you of someone, does it? It should. We didn't get to see her sister. We're all the better for that. Shocking to me they ever left Carlson. They were certainly desperate to get their hands on that book, or at the very least, to prevent us from doing us. He looks like, is this it? Oreo tosses a small, leather-bound book. Wow, the last remnants of colour drains from the feast's face as he stares down, mouth agape, the book now resting in his hands. You look at Oreo in disbelief. Dumbfounded as to how she came into possession of the book. It's easier to explain than you might think, she says. We've got more to worry about than that. And now. Lydia and Eurison, you and Al, both ask Uriel for an explanation regarding her possession of the book you came to Swinehile seeking. The spellcaster frowns and shakes her head, as if the inquiry served to ignore her. Do you think I spent my many days on the uh, days on the shores of Sangard idly? Her tasks too were great many of them. All of them ending in success, I might add. Oyo looks from you to Owl in turn, then smiles, as if conceding the subtle humour which was meant to accompany her her haughty words. I learned a great many things in the halls of that grim grim keep. 
one of which pointed me to this place, he says. When I found out the two of you were headed this way, came upon my newly acquired mount with all possible haste, as I figured you might run into some unexpected trouble. Something else I discovered in the halls of Thane Massabak's fortress. Through explanation seems to lack a great deal of Pacific information. It includes what you expect might be one or two fabrications. Tells you that after being knocked from the back of a Chotorok, everything went back black. When I came round, which had been only a few moments later, found myself lying on the ground, right in front of that wounded building. Surrounded, surround, surrounded by Tazor, the mercy, apparent mercy of two masked women. There was something eerily familiar about both of them. I began demanding answers to things I knew nothing about. Then the interrogation came to a swift close when one of those snakes found that book in the shrine. Oya tells you she sensed the two masked women had run out of use for her. Likely, things were likely to have taken a swift and ugly turn. I had strength enough left to teach the two of them such much need of humility and immediately embarked on an inspiring display of elemental magic, she says. They fled all at once, leaving me to face the tussle, and a pair of those stone and iron giants. Owl folds his arms and stares at the sorceress thoughtfully. She continues her account, telling you that a quickly disposing of the tussle and the constructs, she attempted to prevent the two masked women from escaping. They eluded me, both of them, one upon her winged beast and the other in a column of flame. I was too weak to mount any sort of effective attack against them, she says. As the remaining member of the pair soared off into the sky, I sent my own Chotorok and took to the air in pursuit of her. I knew she possessed the book, though I still know little of its significance, other than the easily discernible fact that it was of great importance to them. Oyo told you she caught up with the lone masked woman at a brief but deadly battle. She was high above the ocean, just to the south of the island. I had nearly again exhausted my reserves when I caught her mount with a lucky blast of flame that sent the poor creature spinning into the sea, she says. She plummeted towards the waves as well, but disappeared before ever striking the water. A fiery column rose up from below to envelop her. And the book, Asal, eyeing her suspiciously, I suppose you found it falling out of the sky after all of this. Hardly, she remarks coldly. It was in my possession shortly after catching up with her. And that's the very reason she did not continue her flight south, and instead whirled about in an ill-fated attempt to send me to my death. I have, more, I have more than the elements at my command, though I don't suppose that concerns you. After all, we've now got we, what we came here for. A thank you for it, says Al, dipping into an exaggerated bow before the staff-wielding firecaster. Or you ask Al what he knows of the two mass sorceresses, and he tells you they are servants of the Grand Century mysterious and powerful figure who has long ruled the city-state of Cardson. The witches of Cardson, they are called, he says, sneering. They are sisters, 
in a more detestable pair you're not going to be unlucky enough to find. To Mifria and, hum and Humla, their names, at least as I know them, long, long, won't be long before those two regroup and come back here to get the book. Well, we, we must move with great haste. The great fire maids join us. Owl's question to Uriel contains just a hint of hopefulness, but she's quick to reply in the negative. I must return to Sargard, she says. There are things left unfinished here. I hope you get off this place. But how but how but how you get to wherever you're going next is going to be up to you. Cardson, is it? The owl nods, then, without another word, with a wide eyed look of someone who's nearly forgotten something of great importance, he rushes off towards the circular structure. Seconds later, he disappears into the strange building, almost at once. You hear a piercing shriek. You and I exchange worried glances and then dash, to, dash towards the structure. As you reach the arch through which our disappeared ornaments go, the master thief steps out of the building with a defeated look slowly spreading across his face. See for yourself, he says, waving you into the structure. Wearily, you and Urio step into the rounded interior of the building and find yourself standing before the shattered remains of a great statue. Cut from the pile of rubble, you note the wall directly opposite the arch has obviously been struck by a powerful blast of fire. A large, jagged and charred impression has been left in the heavy stone blocks. This dismark seems to be the cause of our sudden and profound consolation. Gone in a waste the verse, he says, throwing up his arms in the direction of the damaged wall, as he makes reference to the verse he has often mentioned. The verse will do them little good without the book, though I'm afraid the book will do us less good than I'd hoped without the verse. It seems we are destined to cross paths with Tomifrica and Humla again, showing little concern for the presence of oil. Owl tells you three books, one of which you possess, are journals written in code containing instructions for creating a powerful anti-magic presence. It tells you the verse that's been blasted from the wall of the chamber supposedly contained clues to deciphering the journals. This is also part of it, he says, producing several shards of raven bone, which he holds up for you and Uriel to view. The anti-magic presence these journals and these bits of raven bone would last to create, so I've been told, would certainly help us in our struggle to regain Carson, as it would at last deliver us the means by which to break the spell, dark magic, long ago cast upon the city by the Grand Century. Oreo, with her brow frowned, and a hint, hint of frown in place upon her lips, seems prepared to speak out against Owl's claims about the journals and the Ravenpone, when suddenly her eyes widen, as if she just had a revelation. Those masks! It's Oreo with a smile. How could I have not seen it before? Faye Mazabak wears one that is nearly identical to those hiding the faces of that treacherous pair. Surely this is not lost on either of you. Not even for a moment, says Owl. 
but withhold your judgment of the thane, that's thane Mazabak. All three, all three bear the marks common to a particular calamity from years back. This I have heard, and this I choose to believe. Sinister and steeped in mystery that the Mastane might seem. I do not doubt that he stands closer to our wanks than those of our enemy. To able to pierce together what his purpose on the isle is, and has been, we should not concern ourselves with it, must assume he is combating the long arm of our enemy. There are those in this in his court who have cutifully kept me appraised of events. What? What? So what? The Dame Azabak is against the sentry? Oh, okay. I guess that might explain why his advisor let me go. I'm not prepared to assume anything, says Oriel, seemingly willing to discard much of what I was just said. So I don't know more for myself. I will not treat the good fane as any sort of ally. But neither have I seen nor heard anything that would lead me to believe he stands against any enemy of mine. I intend to return to the Isle to learn more about the foul fate that befell Thane Poland. A true friend and a real ally. All sighs and turns to you. A road will take us to Cardson, he says. If you stay with me, Zoop, as long as we retain these books, we have the chance to deal the grand century a profound blow and break the hold that his dark magic has had on the, on the city all these last 200 years. Neil told you, the spell broken. The grand century will not be able to retain control of Cardson in the true extent of the schemes guided by his hand and the dire oppression of his wall will become known. The trail extending from the gates of his city cell will lead all the way back. Back to the shores of Sarngard, he says. Looking, looking to Oyo, and then back to you. Oyo casts you a questioning glance, as if to suggest she doesn't believe, and was unwilling to accept all Alla said. Despite her apparent misgivings, you have no reason to doubt the thieves' account. The appearance of the two masked sisters and the Welshmen lend all faltering credibility to his story. You can you can tell how, how he can continues account on your companionship. He nods and offers you his thanks. Despite your decision to stay with Al and travel to Cardson, the master thief, Oyo remains determined to return to Sargon Island and continue the work that's begun by Thane Point several months ago. It won't be long until the absence to his absence the twin keep is discovered, he says, the three of you make your way out of the circular building and back into the heart of the ruins. That particular discovery might prove disastrous for all of us. There's little that can be done about it. Soon you won't be walking all the way to Cardson. Owl tells Uriel how he intends to get to Cardson. It's his own business. 
would be very interested in a flight off, off Swine Island. To reach the edge of depression in which the ruins of the shrine sit, the spellcaster closes her eyes and begins muttering a string of strange-sounding words. She prepares to once again summon her Chiltwick. Suddenly, her eyes fly open and she stares due south, a horrified expression affixed to her face. You and now have both already behold the sight that caused her such alarm. Owl takes three steps back, and both you and Oria quickly follow Soup. Soot, stepping through the band of fir trees that wing the perimeter of the summit, is a towering grey-skinned troll. Jagged yellow fangs protrude at odd angles from the watching mouth of the horrific beast. Those lower half is crudely clad in, tatter- in a tattered array of animal pelts. The troll's long, sinewy arms are attached to a hideously scarred corso that is easily six feet in breadth, clutched tightly in the, the gnarled, claw-tipped fingers of the creature's white hang. It's a stone club. Around its neck hangs a thick length of vine from which dangle the skulls of four ogres. You suddenly become aware of the fact the massive troll is pulling something along. The ground behind it, you are shocked to discover it is a heavy piece of rope from which drags the lifeless remains of the very Chotwick Aurelia attempted to summon only moments ago. The fearsome cave troll, larger than you have ever seen or heard tell of, snorts angrily as it catches sight of you. Releasing on its grip on the rope tied to the Chudwick's carcass, the beast of Shrine Island emits an ear-splattering, be- ear-shattering bellow and charges across the broken ground towards you. You glance to your right and note Oreo is holding her ground, her staff held at the ready. A quick look to your left reveals that an owl is nowhere to be found as the massive troll closes in to within 20 yards. His deadly instrument of battle weighs in anticipation of killing the two of you with a single blow and swiftly decide on a course of action. So I've got a few options here. I can retreat deeper into the ruins and hold my ground and engage the troll. I could use archery Shadow magic, gating, elementalism, or fortification. There are also options for telekinesis, illusion, necromancy, and destruction, which I haven't unlocked. I will use shadow magic. It succeeded. 24x speed to shadow magic. A chorus of shrill whispers echo through your head as you silently summon the power your pa- shadow magic. Without delay, shadow cast by nearby crumbling wall weaves and whipples as it swiftly stretches out to a web of gloom directly across the path of the charging troll. Within a wage bellow, the towering grey-skinned troll is ensnared by the web of shadow before being promptly and forcefully repelled. The fearsome beast staggers backwards. Momentarily dazed by the unexpected turn of events, the shadows quickly turn, melt away, 
All your flashes you relieve look, and the two of you leap forward and attack the dazed beast. Fire leaps from the tips of Uriel's staff as the two of you rush forward and engage the legendary beast of Shrine Island. It's a towering cave troll, but it's dazed. The fearsome cave troll swipes at you with his massive stone club. Uriel levels the staff at the troll and unleashes a wide arc of crimson flame for 56 damage. 52 damage from her. Okay. 60 damage from her. 61 damage from her. Oh, I just went into battle wage. Ugh! That was our way off the island! Yeah! Yes, I'm still angry. 66 damage from her. She is helping out a lot. I think she's almost doing more damage than me. Crimson Flame. And she finishes it off with a 70 damage attack as she levels her staff at the troll and unleashes a wide arc of Crimson Flame. You have slain the foe. 44 experience. With the final bellow, the mighty trave goal, troll has for centuries stalked the shores of Shrine Island, collapses to the ground and expires. You and Oreo stare down in belief, in disbelief at the bloodied carcass of the fearsome beast. 512 experience to general. 64 experience to all skills and powers. Uriel, leaning heavily on her staff next to the carcass of the fallen troll, turns to face you and smirks as she wipes a large spot of the beast's dark blood from her face. You're about to commend on a well-fought battle when you spot something that almost causes your heart to skip. One of the troll's massive gall fingers is twi- twitching. You shout a panicked warning to the sorceress before your words even reach her ears. She's knocked off her feet as the bloodied cave coal staggers to its feet and with, and with its last ounce of life lurches towards you, swiping out with its deadly claws. As Oreo struggles to regain her feet, you bravely engage the beast of Swine Isle, Swile, Swine Isle for a second time. The towering cave troll, this time it's wounded, but apparently not wounded enough. Begin combat. The severely wounded cave troll swipes at you with his deadly claws. Looks like this one has a lot less health. Which of course makes sense considering the bashing it's received. Alright, bash, 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 bash. No hope for Moria that time, because she's been sent flying and slain your foe. 73 experience. With blood pouring out of its gaping mouth, and much of its grey flesh in tatters, the beast of Shrine Isle, K-12, those mighties perhaps beyond measure, topples to the ground and draws a wagged, final wagged breath before expiring. Rumbling, rubbing the back of her head, which took a rock during her tremble, 
Oyo steps to your side and once again gazes down on the lifeless corpse of the slain troll. Without a word, she touches the beast's carcass with the tip of her staff and its pruited flesh promptly ignites. In a matter of moments, the entire corpse is ablaze. Within a few minutes, only bone and ash remain to mark the spot where the creature of legend fell. There, she says, stepping up from the smouldering heap. If he gets up from that, I give up. Exhausted from battle, and with the tribulations of the la- and from the tribulations of the last few days, you cast a wary gaze about the crumbling ruins and the pyramids of the summit, seeking out any sign of Al. Security understand his desire to have you share the woe with him to Carson. This Oreo, leaning her staff, leaning against her staff as she surveys the ruins, the sort of trouble he seems to find. It wouldn't last, last but a few moments without someone like you to look at him. Oh, wouldn't I then? The familiar voice causes you both to turn to the east. There, stepping out from the encroaching forest that wings the summit, is Owl. The master thief strides up and commends you on defeating the beast. That one, that's one for a tome of own tales, he said. Would Pertor have won, not whisked my neck against such a creature? And in fact, that's precisely what I did. I wish you two, wish the two of you had the sense to follow me. Oyo sneers and curses his cowardice. Share the woe, did you say? Continues Owl, referencing the sorcerer's word from just a moment ago and ignoring her icy glare. Don't plan on making use of any woes, Dieter Cardson. Although I assume you would have thought such a feat quite above my meagre talents. Owl turns and looks at the bloody carcass of the slain Chilterwick and Siles. Now, the real dilemma is how are we to get off this isle? Oyo reaches into a tunic and draws a platinum and gold amulet that dangles from her neck by a thin chain. She grasps the glittering object in her white hand and closes her eyes. There may be dust enough power left in this little trinket to gate us to safety, she says. Dust enough? I'll cast her a sceptical look. There's there's certainly enough for two, she says, turning to face Al. If I were you filling your books, I'd be praying there's enough for three. And that finishes this little adventure for another 1,024 experience to general... And 128 experience to all skills and powers. Okay. Next on to part three. The City of the Sorcerer Lord. Welcome to the battered streets of Cardson. The first part is... A Waff Spot. Okay, there we are. I begin it. Okay, there's the king. If I were filling your boots, I'll be praying there's enough for free. And now, 
decided Yorio would attempt to teleport the three of you back to the cave in the forest south of Sargard Keep, where you and Owl may then make use of the portal to return to the mainland. Despite the near constant bickering between your two companions, you are elated to at last be leaving Shrine Isle. Nothing about your excursion to the Isle sits well with you, particularly the news about Thane Poland's death back on Sargard. You continue to hope the death of your friend and ally will prove to be nothing more than an elaborate ruse. Despite your hopeful output, you can't help but think the tide of things to come has irreversibly been altered. As all your marks are wide circle in the soft earth at the edge of the ruins and prepares her magic, your mind wanders back of the last meetings you had with Thane Poland, conclusion of your mission to Migsburg, where you discovered the coded journal. journal. Thane Poland pours you some root wine, but you strangely find yourself unwilling to accept this superstitious offer. You politely decline the drink, and he nods, seemingly unaffected by your refusal. Be ever at the at the ready, friend, he says. As you prepare to depart, for I will surely be calling upon you in the coming days, perhaps sooner than I expect, and again, I thank you. You bid the Thane farewell and step out of the chamber. He follows you out into the corridor and wishes you well. His words for hollow on appealing wings to them. Trithic's overlord watches in silence as you move along the hall towards the stairs at the far end. That will that lead you down and out of the keep's main tower. As you step through the gates of Twinned Keep and onto the streets of the Adderstone, which are just now coming to life with the rising of the sun, you cast a wary glaze over your shoulder at the stark silhouette of the tower you've just left. There, high above the streets of Twithick, peering out across the sprawling witherport like a pair of unblinking eyes, of the windows of the Thane's private chamber. A room you left only moments ago. Oreo's voice, repeatedly calling your name, snaps your thoughts back to the presence. present. You turn to find the sorcerer standing in the middle of the wide circle she's etched on the ground, with Owl by her side. Come on then, come on then, Zoop. I've only got one real chance at this. You step into the circle and stand next to Owl. Oreo instructs you to place your left hand on the shoulder of the Master Thief and in turn tells Owl to place his left hand on her shoulder. Owl rolls, rolls his eyes and glances at you as he was silently voicing his lack of faith in these proceedings. This goes well, we'll be back. We're back in the forest south of the keep, she says. Doesn't. Well, <coughs> let's not think about that. Don't move your hands. Oreo glasps the glittering platinum and gold amulet in her white hand and closes her eyes. Almost immediately, a strange and powerful sensation takes hold of you. You struggle to keep your hand in place upon Al's shoulder as your surroundings begin to shift and blur. Suddenly, everything goes black, and you find yourself trembling 
head over heels for a silent tunnel of shadow. You strain your neck, attempting to look in all directions for any sign of, of Owl or Oreo. His companions are nowhere to be found in the shadowy tunnel through which you tumble. Suddenly, a fierce golden blow, glow erupts out of the darkness below. Instant, you find yourself seated on a, on a cold, stamp, damp, stone-tiled floor, the middle of a broad corridor, breathless and bewildered. You wearily regain your feet and survey your surroundings. Passage lit at regular in littered irregular intervals by flickering lamps dangling from iron pegs ends approximately twenty yards ahead at a wooden door. Several feet behind you, the corridor reaches a dead end. Resist the temptation to call out to either Uyawai or Owl. They are said to decide upon an immediate course of action. So I can use divination, feathery, approach the door, or remain where I am. I will use feathery. You successfully used your feathery skill. Your well-practiced ear disturbing what you believe to be a faint, pulsating sound from beyond the door. I will remain where I am. Through your eyes, eyes steadily strained upon the door at the end of the passage, you wait with bated breath as you watch for any sign of movement, listen for even the slightest hint of sound. Suddenly, the door's heavy iron hinges begin to creak. It slowly opens. The door slowly swings open, and you're taken aback. And a large inky pulsating orb floats out of the gloom beyond and into the passage. The surface of the massive shadowy orb, which nearly spans the entire width of the corridor, whipples with every pulse. The orb's pulsing suddenly increases in frequency and the strange, homing object begins to swell. You step back, fear, fearful that the glowing spear will soon envelop you. Use divination. Succeeded. Were unable to sense anything further regarding the expanding orb of shadow. Retreat back along the corridor. You swiftly retreat along the passage, keeping one eye on the expanding orb of shadow that nearly fills a third of the corridor. When you reach the end of the hall, you find the orb is still growing, and in a few moments it will surely envelop you. So, a few options. I can allow the expanding orb to envelop you, attempt to attack the rapidly expanding orb, or I could use the powers of destruction, elementalism, shadow magic, fortification, or telekinesis. I'll use destruction. Succeeded. Despite, despite your success at channeling your power, it has no effect upon the expanding orb of shadow. The growing orb will envelop you in seconds. Attempt to attack the rapidly approaching orb. Assume a combat ready stance and prepare to attack the orb, praying such a tactic will prove expensive against the strange, ever expanding object of shadow. Suddenly, as if it senses your intentions, the orb swiftly diminishes, returning to its original size. 
Then, with its inky surface whippling, the dark spear surges along the passage towards you. With no way to escape. You prepare to engage the Orb of Shadow. Alright, fighting the Orb of Shadow. Powerful wave of neville negative energy washes over you. You feel weaker as your opponent drains energy from your body. Okay, the spash, bashity, bash, 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 bash. Feel weaker as your opponent drains energy from your body. 10 damage. 5 damage from draining energy. And it's just slain. 73 XP. 128 experience to general. The orb draws along the passage as a series of violent shudders pass over the whippling surface of shadow. Suddenly, a strange hovering object, object dissipates, leaving no trace of itself behind. Relieved to be rid of the sinister orb, you are about to start towards the open door. When a low, ominous pulsing from behind fills you with dread. You turn to find another pulsing herb of shadow. Perhaps the same one. Floating along this corridor behind you. Before you can react. The orb surges along the passage and envelops you. Almost immediately you begin to feel weak. The sensation of weakness quickly diminishes. It's wake. You're left feeling disorientated. The gloom that surrounds you deepens, your vision blurs, and a series of vivid, nightmarish images take form in your mind. With the gloom that surrounds you continuing to deepen, a dark, unsettling image takes shape in your mind. Horribly scarred man, his legs pierced with arrows, and his chained shirt hanging in, getting tatters beneath his bloody torso, crawls across a stretch of broken ground. Picking a path through the fallen, wyvern bodies of his head, dead and dying companions. As he nears the unmoving remains of a young man, clay clad shoulder, your slender, unshaven face is frozen into death, frozen by death into a wicked expression of agony. A thick stream of blood rolls down his arm and along his Flat, splayed white hand, passing over a thin wooden wooden band that adorns his wing finger. Wounded man pauses and suddenly removes the wooden wing, slipping the bloody the bloodied faint band onto the finger of a slain soldier. Ah! So, is this Thane? I'm pretty sure this is Thane Poland. Moving the wing of disguise onto someone else. So he's alive. With the gloom that surrounds you continuing to deepen, the pulse quickens as a second dark and unsettling image takes shape in your mind. Oh yeah, her face blackened and a star splintered at her feet. Cries out in agony as she's suddenly engulfed by a war of flame. She slumps to the ground, consumed by raging fire. Her face turns towards you. Eyes lock on your, onto yours. We are betrayed, she says, before rapidly crumbling into a pile of ash. 
As the gloom envelops you deepens, a third dark and unsettling image takes shape in your mind. Three figures rush to escape from a broad fire-filled tunnel. As a surging wave of fire overtakes them, one of the fingers stumbles and falls, and is immediately consumed by a waging inferno. One of the two remaining figures rushes on, crying out in agony, as the warring wall of flame laps at his, at his back. The other pauses for a moment, looking back at the fallen figure. As the gloom that envelops you deepens, a fourth dark and unsettling image takes shape in your mind. Four figures, their face obscured by shadow, are seated around a wooden table. You can't make out what they're saying. Their voices rise and fall sharply, as if they are broiled in heated debate. Suddenly, one of the figures, a caped man, stands and holds up his right hand. The others stand immediately fall silent. He begins to speak in a loud, clear voice. Without hesitation, the others echo him. He recites a curious and well-rehearsed voice. We wait as faithful wardens. The time draws near. Three times the skies will light, and the horns of the great heralds will sound. We are to be ready. We are always to be prepared. Nothing will prevent the return. There is no power that can. They're gazing at each other in a series of brief shoulder crosses. The four figures turn and move away from the table. As the, as the last of the grim vis visions fades, the shadows that envelop you rapidly deepens into impenetrable darkness. Your thoughts become jumbled and you stagger forward. Reaching out blindly in the gloom, in a desperate attempt to steady yourself, and keep from losing your footing. Suddenly, a fierce glow erupts out of the darkness in front of you, scattering the gloom. Your eyes shoots up to your face as you instinctively shield your eyes from the dazzling light. For several moments, the glow fades and you lower your hand. I discover you are now standing nothing. In the thick of a tangled forest, under a cloudy late afternoon sky. You turn your gaze to the north, and you immediately spot the dark mouth of a cave. A cave that contains the portal used countless times to teleport yourself between Sargard Isle and Twinned Keep. Back on Sargard, at nearly the precise spot when you first stepped onto the isle. The sound of someone crashing through the brush behind you turns your thoughts back to your companions, and you spin around, prepared to greet them, only to find yourself confronted by the unwelcome sight of a now familiar foe. Slivering through the forest are three silver armour tussled, the wasping hisses echoing off the surrounding trees as they bear down on you. The foremost of the vicious reptilians suddenly thrusts his hand out towards you. A long bolt of crimson flame erupts from a silver square set into the plate-painted plum of his gauntlet. The deadly blast of fire shrieks towards you, so I could dodge it. His elementalism, fortification, and it's not high enough level, 
but it was. I can use telekinesis. I will use elementalism. Succeeded. Seven, 24 experience to elementalism. You swiftly channel your power of elementalism and focus it on the hurtling bolt of flame almost instantly. The fiery missile begins to shrink. The matter of seconds is nothing more than a glowing cinder. The harmless venement of the once deadly blast lands on the ground to your white. The first of the three armour Tazor, his silver-plated arms ablaze with crimson flames, hisses wildly as he slivers forward, striking out at you with his fire-weaved limbs. Begin combat with them. The armour Tazor swipes at you with his plated, fire-weaved arms. You're engulfed by the flames of your enemy's attack for 18 damage. But that's not nearly enough. It's 24 damage from the flames of the attack. Okay, and keep on bashing, keep on bashing. Went into battle rage. Come on! Give me time to get undisorientated. Gah! 42 experience. Or you can even attempt to catch your breath. The second of the three armoured Tazol slivers in from your left, hissing viciously. His silver-plated arms ablaze with deadly flames. So another armoured Tazol. I'll just quick combat that one. The third and last of the armoured Tazol. 74 experience for that one. Undeterred by the deaths of his vicious reptilian kin. Slivers over the trunk of a fallen tree and launches his attack. Striking out at you with his plated, flame-weaved hands. You defiantly engaged an armor tussle. Got a quick combat at one, two. 106 experience. The instant the third tussle drops to the ground at your feet, the silver armored bodies of the slain reptilians engulfed in a towering column of fire. A wave of intense heat, coupled with the deafening war, catches you off guard, but you manage to stumble back beyond the groping figures, fingers of a blazing inferno that swiftly engulfs the corpses of your foes. A matter of moments, only small piles of ash and the charred, empty shells of plate armour remain to mop the spots where the three tussles fell. No sign of your two companions, with no sign of your two companions in the surrounding forest. Nothing to indicate they ever arrived here. Quickly move away from the charred remains of the tussle and make your way into the cave. The reassuring, low pulsing sound of the portal greets you. Enter the cave and move swiftly but cautiously towards it. Back of the cave, you find the familiar black. Pulsating vortex that time and time again has faithfully borne you to and from the perilous source of Sargod. You linger for a few minutes before the portal, listening intently to the sounds of the forest outside, eager to hear anything or suggest your companions are nearby. When it becomes apparent you are alone, you quickly decide your best course of action is to return to Twinned Keep. To taking one final look around at the gloomy interior of the cave, you step towards the swirling portal. Just like that then. 
The voice from behind you, barely above a whisper, startles you, causing your heart to skip a beat. Spin round to confront whoever is at your back, but there is no one there. Here. The voice, this time to your right, is louder, clearer, and instantly recognisable. You turn to find yourself face to face with Owl. The master thief regards you with, with a suspicious, unfriendly gaze. I nearly gave up on you, he says. Your friend, the sorceress, did give up. To be fair, she did wait around here for the better part of two days. Confused, you ask Gal what he means. You never arrived here with us, he says, still regarding you with obvious suspicion. The caster said you were lost, and the attempt to teleport the three of us was too bold. We appeared right outside this cave, as she said we would, but you never did. Be gone five days, friend, and it's put us in a bit of a rough spot. And that finishes this scenario with 1,024 experience to general and 64 experience to all skills and powers. So the next one is the Path to Cardson Part 1. But that is for another time. Now I'm going to save... And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.